Hey, welcome to the Newport Folk Podcast. My name is Dan. We are on episode four of season four. As always, before we dive into this episode, we've got some housekeeping to get through first. We just announced a new Newport Folk Presents show on Wednesday, September 19th. Shaky Graves will be with the Wild Reads at House of Blues Boston, so make sure to grab your tickets to that one. Uh, We're going to be recording our annual Ask Us Anything episode in a few weeks, so if you have a question you'd like to ask our team about this year's festival or the festivals in general, pretty much anything, uh, give us a call at 617-684-5158 and leave us a voicemail with your name and question. We might just be able to answer it in the episode. But that wraps up housekeeping. Let's begin the show. If you're someone who's been listening to this podcast for a while, you've no doubt heard from a lot of the people and the folks behind this festival, the ones that make it possible. You know, the artists, the staff, and the fans. But there's a group that we just don't hear from enough. And yet without them, this festival really wouldn't be the same. That's our partners. The companies, nonprofits, and organizations that we team up with throughout the year and during the weekends to really make this festival happen. Their support comes in various forms and sometimes goes unnoticed by our audience. But in this episode, we're going to take a look at a few examples of those partnerships. The people behind them, their stories and the impact that they have on this festival. And we'll start with one you're probably familiar with. Uh, If you've been to Newport before, chances are, if you're like me, at least you've binged on their chips in embarrassingly large quantities throughout the weekends. Uh, Of course, I'm referring to Late July. My name is Nicole Bernard-Dawes, and I'm the CEO and founder of Late July Snacks. Late July is one of our oldest partners, and Nicole's connection to Newport is so far beyond just your standard corporate partnership. My story with Newport Folk Festival begins before I was even born. Um, You know, I joke a lot of times at the festival that if it weren't for Newport Folk Festival, I wouldn't be here. And that's because my parents actually were introduced to each other at the Newport Folk Festival back in 1967. They had um, mutual friends there and I think They were both camping somewhere in Newport, and um, during the festival, they were introduced to each other. They fell in love, and um, they actually subsequently broke up, but got back together again. And um, (laughs) then that's why I'm here today. When Nicole's parents met at Newport Folk in 1967, her father was just out of college and about to hitchhike across America to work on a fishing boat in Alaska. But he eventually returned to New England and actually founded Cape Cod Potato Chips. And Nicole's mom ran a natural food store in Cape Cod. So in a way, Nicole's fate was really sealed from the start. You know, I think that this is probably the job I was born to do when you have a mom with a natural food store and a dad with a potato chip company. You know, I guess the odds on their daughter becoming an organic snack entrepreneur are pretty high. And uh, that is what I actually did. (laughs) This brings us to the second part of this story and how Nicole found her way to Newport. The next um, major touch point I had with the Newport Folk Festival was actually after my father passed away. Uh, In his uh, New York Times obituary, it had mentioned that my parents had met there and Jay actually reached out to see if my mom and I would like to go that year. And, you know, my dad passed away relatively young and and it was a really surreal time for us. and, And 
for him to be so thoughtful to think of, you know, something like that and to reach out to really a stranger, um, you know, really meant a lot. And um, my mother and I and my husband and the kids actually did come that year. And, you know, music has been a big part of my life, um, you know, forever. And, And to be able to have that special family moment, you know, the year that my father passed away really meant a lot to us. While Nicole was at the folk festival, she and her husband noticed that there weren't too many activities or events planned for their kids. It's something that we had tried, but nothing had ever really come together completely. Being the entrepreneur that she is, she saw an opportunity. So after that year of coming, you know, I kind of um, approached Jay about the idea of, well, what if late July did, you know, like an area for kids where they could, you know, just come decompress a little bit and, you know, we could have like a bunch of free activities for them to do. And I said, well, what if you just kind of let us do it? You know, like we won't, you know, it won't cost you any more money. You know, we'll be a sponsor. Plus we'll pay for, you know, this whole experience for kids. Um, and I said, my one caveat is that I don't, I don't want it to become like a kid's thing. Like I, I'm not there because like, I don't want programming kids music or anything like that. And, and obviously Jay agreed with that. So, um, the late July family tent was born and it has become an unbelievably special part of the festival. I mean, obviously I'm biased, but you know, some of the coolest moments um, have occurred there over the years, some really special um, combinations of different music. Um, You know, in addition, you know, we have families who really look forward to it every year, just seeing each other again and, um, the atmosphere and vibe in, in that little zone is is really, really special. And I think it completely embodies everything that Newport is all about. If the late July family tent had its own lineup poster, it would stand as a pretty impressive festival on its own. So I asked Nicole to mention a few of the highlights that she's had over the years. Oh, I mean, there are so many. It's so hard for me to pick, but I think Andrew Bird was probably one of my favorite moments. Um, you know, it was... I mean, he was amazing, first of all. Um, you know, he just, I mean, he, he, he's such an amazing musician in general. And to see him that up close and engaging with the kids. And I mean, there was like, I mean, the kids were going bananas over it. I mean, it he was awesome. I mean, and the grownups were too. <laughs> um, and then I think, I think probably one of my other favorite moments was like from one of our earlier years. And that was Connor Oberst. And I was, don't know what I expected. Um... But he was probably one of the nicest musicians when it came to interga- like engaging with the kids. Um, I mean, he was fantastic. He was just, you know, really personable and, and you know, really got the kids involved. Um, I mean, obviously, Pete Seeger, that was, <laughs> that was amazing. I, can't, I mean, I could go on for hours, Dan. Honestly, there's too many, there's too many um, amazing memories. I, I don't even know, I, I don't know where to start and stop. One of the most wonderful things about being part of this festival is that, you know, we do lots of sponsorships and, you know, when you do a sponsorship, you know, you you sort of exist on the periphery of whatever's happening. You know, you're a sponsor, you know, you kind of pay your money, you give your product and, you know, that's that. But with Newport, you know, we're so much more. I mean, we're really woven into the fabric of this festival and, you know, our connection to the people who are there is very deep. You know, it's, um, 
you know, it's much more than just being a sponsor. You know, you're really part of something. Late July is a great example of a partner that works with us during the weekend at the festival to really create a better experience. And there are others like Bike Newport, who provides bike parking and basic repairs on site, or Lagunitas, who sponsors our late night show, or TuneIn, who makes our live stream possible. But there are other partners who don't have a presence on site at all, but still make an impact. Our next partner is a good example, and they're an unlikely story. In fact, if we weren't partners, you'd probably call us competitors. Uh, so this is Neil Jones. I'm Operations Director for uh, the Cambridge Folk Festival. And this is David O'Hara. I'm the Head of Marketing for the Cambridge Folk Festival. The Cambridge Folk Festival takes place the weekend after Newport Folk and roughly 3,000 miles across the Atlantic. And our partnership, which started just this year, is unlike any we've had in our history. So we had Jay Sweet, our executive producer, talk with Neil and David over the phone about how and why it got started. I kind of wanted to talk to you uh, a little bit uh, so we can educate some of our listeners as to how this thing came to be. But So I'd rather hear your version, because I, of course, have mine, but uh, how, we, how we decided to do this. Well, like all good ideas here in the UK, ours started down the pub, funnily enough. Uh, Dave and I were having a pint after work one day, and uh, I think it was Dave who sort of said, you know, we should really reach out to um, to the Newport guys because they've got so much in common with what we do in Cambridge. We've never really touched base. We've never really said hello. And... Um, the following morning, I just remembered what David said and, you know, decided to, to send an email over just to say hello from this side of the pond. Um, because I think, you know, we, we both are the two most iconic folk festivals in the world. We, we obviously share, you know, even instinctively, we knew we would share lots of things in common. And it was kind of crazy to us that we'd never really uh, said hello in the past. So off the email went and you guys came back to us and said... You know, I seem to recall you said words to the effect of we've been meaning to reach out to you guys too and obviously the rest is history we're now talking and we're now twinned yeah you you uh, I, I think I said you beat me to it I think um, <laughs> I, I uh, especially since you know not to get into the music business to to down down that rabbit hole but you know that obviously I've been uh, looking at what you guys have done and always was like oh god I wish I had that or you know that's a great idea and and um, you know, obviously, I think they, they, there are a lot of parallels to how we believe in, in a festival should be run and how we curate a festival. Uh, and was quite frankly um, didn't like the fact that other people uh, in the other areas in the music business kept trying to play play each other off of each other, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, if if you know, pay this, and I won't send my artist over to. Uh, this other amazing folk festival. And I think that there was some, a little bit of, um, you know, uh, a little bit of that David versus Goliath. Sometimes it's better to be together on things and, and uh, maybe we could, you know, two heads, two heads together can prevail over, over some other things that might be more difficult. 
Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's quite interesting that we sort of, at this point in our in our histories, uh, started this relationship because obviously we've we've sort of, you know, I think what we've said internally, we've sort of grown up together almost on either side of the Atlantic. Um, the first Cambridge Folk Festival was sort of inspired by Newport, and I think there's about five years difference between the two of us. We've both been going for such a long time, and it is interesting that there has been so many sort of overlapping uh, approaches to how we curate each each festival. So for us, it's, I mean, we're, we're really really excited about about what we've done so far and what we've got you know got to come with this partnership. Do you? I mean, I guess I want to jump right into it and ask: uh, How do you deal with the trite question of having folk in your name? How do you uh, do you see it as a challenge, a benefit? You know, I, I've, I've, I'm asked the question so many times, I don't really want to answer it. I'd rather have you guys try to answer it. it it's something that we, <clears throat> excuse me, it's something that we debate internally all the time. I mean, one thing that we are absolutely clear on is that, you know, at our heart, we are absolutely a folk festival. We describe ourselves as a specialist music festival that appeals to the mainstream. You know, there are festivals out there who are, you know, uh, absolutely mainstream and that's their thing. There are other other festivals out there, other folk festivals out there who are who are very, very, very traditional and very sort of niche in what they do. We kind of, you know, if this was a Venn diagram, we're that bit in the middle where at our heart we are absolutely a folk festival. We always will be. We're about preserving the tradition of folk and all that it stands for. Uh, but we have a broad appeal that uh, that appeals to the to the mainstream, and that's reflected in both the, the you know the people's experience when they come to the event, but also artistically as well. There are there are always names on the bill that you know you will see on the TV and recognise, even if you have no inkling about what folk music is. But they sit alongside folk musicians and the folk tradition, and that's something that we'll never steer away from. Yeah, I agree, I, and and I think there is some of the those tenants uh, are in our philosophy as well. Uh, another is, I mean, the other question I would want to ask: um, Are you? How are the uh, various uh, festival market forces uh, affecting you guys, if at all? Um, it's certainly getting tougher. I mean, you know, it's it's difficult as an independent festival, despite our our heritage and our and our history, to you know to to have as deep as pockets as as the big boys out there who have the ability just to put a stack of cash on the table and sometimes just you know nick an artist from under your, under your eyes. Um, but we you know we 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 do have that history and we do have that heritage and it is something that we're very lucky that people. Uh, actively want to play the festival and recognise its importance as well, which then works in our favour. Um, but it's certainly not getting easier in terms of you know the, the sort of money that's being asked for for, for capturing uh, artists, particularly at the top of the bill. Yeah, I mean, like part you know part of the difficulty for for Cambridge, and I'm sure it's the same with with Newport, is that you know we're a small festival. You know, we've got a small site and. Um, you know, we can't. We can't. We don't have. We don't have the income of festivals with 30, 40, 50,000 people coming over a weekend. So, um, I mean, one of the things that we we do have is is that heritage and, and that um, you know, I think I think I think acts genuinely like playing Cambridge is is one of the sort of one of our USPs. You know, I think a good example this year is, is First Aid Kit are playing Friday, and you know that's a, that's a band that are you know doing really big things at the moment and they're kind of blowing up. Um, in Europe and, and in the UK, and you know, I think I think part of the reason why they wanted to play Cambridge was because they really fancied it more than anything else. To be honest, 
Yeah, it's really weird speaking to you guys because it's like I'm hearing uh, my answers with an English accent. <laughs> it's, I just pointed out that I'm actually you know, Irish, but yeah, I mean, it's like you just, you, I could just uh, take yours and throw my my Yankee accent on there and, uh, <clears throat> and 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 deliver the exact same uh, uh, line. But uh, well, I'm really, as I said, I think the the benefit uh, this you know giving people a little bit of insight into these conversations that we've had since we've decided to twin is is to to say that we are facing a lot of the same uh, positives and negatives and it's always good to have somebody uh, you know that that knows how you feel right and is, has a sympathetic ear and has has good ideas and I just want to say thank you guys for being our partners uh, we extend exactly the same thanks back Jay you know when we first connected it was quite clear that we did share so so many common things and that kind of fierce independence and and that you use the expression David and Goliath it's so true you know that's something which resonates hugely with us I think the other thing to point to in terms of the market forces as well is you know the customers that come we're very very lucky with the Cambridge Folk Festival we have people who have been coming for decades to this festival and continue to come we welcome people from from all walks of life and we continue to to open our arms to new audiences but in terms of those new audiences they just have more choice than ever before there's so many what we call here in the uk boutique festivals uh with great facilities you know and and specialist genre festivals around americana that all of which you know threaten just that little percentage of your audience each year so uh, i'm sure it's the same for you guys you can never rest on your laurels you can never just trade on your heritage you've got to evolve as a festival and make sure you're offering the very best experience for the customer Amen to that. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks again, guys. I really appreciate your time. Thanks, Jay. Great to speak to you. Cheers, Jay. And break break a leg this summer, okay? You guys too. As part of our partnership, every year we'll book one band to play both Newport Folk and then travel across the Atlantic to play Cambridge Folk, and we're calling it our twinning program. We both agreed that the band you're hearing now, Darling Side, from Cambridge, Massachusetts, would be a good fit for this year. Full of strange and towering skies and a chance to choose in time To set out on our own One common factor with most of our partners is that they tend to be organizations that prioritize doing the right thing over their profits, using their brand and resources to support various social or civil causes. This year, we have a few organizations whose partnerships will extend beyond the festival and will also benefit Newport Festival's foundation. Lagunitas Brewing Company will be returning to the fort this summer, not only to provide their beloved beer, but to continue their support of our late night shows. As always, proceeds will go directly towards our foundation's initiative supporting music education, and this year Lagunitas is actually quadrupling their support, which means more funding for our foundation to support after-school music programs, more instrument donations, more emergency relief for communities in need. If you're not familiar with the other community work that Lagunitas has done as an organization, I recommend checking out lagunitas.com community support, and you'll find about their grant programs, beer donations, fundraisers, all really great work.
And the last organization we're going to hear from today is equally dedicated to improving the world around them. Keen Footwear is a brand you're probably familiar with. This will be their first time at the fort. And despite being a shoe company, we've been surprised to learn just how much we have in common as organizations. Tyler Lamont is Keen's chief marketing officer, and we met up with him to talk about their history as an independent, family-run business. Keen is a values-led, independently-owned outdoor footwear brand. We're based in Portland, Oregon. Uh, our mission is to create original and super versatile products that improve lives and inspire outside adventure. Uh, really focused in on you know key values, the values that we really subscribe to, which are quality and integrity and health, uh, caring specifically for the for the planet. Uh, the beauty of being family run is that we do have a lot of uh, opportunities to put our values first, which we do day in and day out. Uh, we do a lot of effort in terms of disaster relief. Uh, when we first began as a brand in 2004, we uh, donated our entire marketing budget to uh, disaster relief specific to the tsunami that hit in Southeast Asia, where we pivoted all of those dollars back to people that obviously needed them to uh, be able to give back to that community, which was desperate in need of some assistance. So. That type of philanthropy is just woven throughout the brand. It's what we do day in and day out that, uh, you know, one, just makes it really fun to be part of Keen and do it, uh, not only just to make great products, but of course to, to give back and, and take action. Uh, hence, you know, the campaign that we're running right now is a campaign which we call Better Takes Action, which is truly what we believe is if you want a better world, you gotta do something about it. And that's what we've been trying to do all along since the very beginning. This spring, Keen approached us with this really creative and unique idea for them to help support our foundation and raise funds for music education programs through, of course, what else? Shoes. This year, which is interesting, it happens to be our 15th anniversary at Keen. And Keen was started with a shoe called the Newport, which essentially was named after Newport, Rhode Island. Uh, clearly, very serendipitous in terms of thinking about that product and when it comes to the festival, how can we use that product, again, as an opportunity, as part of our efforts from a, a give back platform? And we came up with the idea of doing a custom Newport for the festival, and specifically going back as you know, a charitable donation. And we call the shoe, it's actually a custom colorway of the Newport, it's called the Newport Revival. And we're essentially, giving uh, $50 per every pair sold goes back to uh, support the next generation of musicians uh, getting instruments in their hands which you know they would really not be able to get them and trying to amplify that program that um, the foundation is serving and you know this program in its entirety is going to raise 150,000 bucks which is huge and it's a great again opportunity to get your hands on a limited edition product that supports this great cause with Keen's donation through sales of the Newport Revival sandal Newport Festival's foundation is expecting to impact between 1,000 and 5,000 children through our music education programs within the first year. But one of the most important parts of this program is that it extends multiple years, which will allow us to make a huge impact for communities in need. When there's a need and the communities have a need, and clearly there is one, and being able to get you know, instruments in the hands of these underserved youth 
Um, that's an ongoing thing. And we know that, just like you said, I mean, there's so much slashing of funding that's happening for tons of extracurricular programs that are happening in education today that it's just one thing that we can do to uh, really ultimately improve lives. And I think, you know, music is just, again, such a powerful vehicle to, uh, to be able to engage, to connect. So we're super excited, like I said. At this year's festival, in addition to celebrating the collaborative sandal, Keen will also be sponsoring Participation Row with Headcount and all of our nonprofit village. They'll also have a pretty powerful activation set up in the quad. You know, the Headcount piece is a super interesting one, and, you know, it really ties into one of the campaigns that we're running right now, which is, as I mentioned, it's called Better Takes Action, where it's one thing to hope for better, it's another thing to take action and actually make better happen. And taking action really starts with with voting. And we decided to, for the participation row efforts, when working with you guys around getting headcount engaged, to do just that, to really encourage voter registration, uh, get people engaged around the importance of being able to have their voice heard. And so within the Keen Action Center, you know, enlisting festival participants to take grassroots action is one thing, but we wanted to also streamline that in a way to make it really easy. And we debuted this uh, last January, which is a, a super cool concept. Essentially, it's called the um, Take Action Phone Booth. Literally, what we've done is we've retrofitted an old phone booth, uh, but we've put in essentially a hotline directly into DC to call your members of Congress and let your voice be heard around the key issues that you care about. And really wanting to streamline it in a way where creating call scripts that they can follow. When they go into the phone booth, they say, hey, I care about this issue, um, this issue, whether it's in my backyard or whether it's a state issue or whether it's a national issue or the state that they're from, where they can go directly in, they can plug into their congressman or to the senator um, that represents them and really have their voice be heard right then and there. And it's just such a simple, direct process. And the power of a phone call is still very, very meaningful. It's one thing to also send an email, but to actually pick up the phone and have your voice literally be heard is something that we're gonna be facilitating right there in Participation Row. Knowing obviously we're going into the midterms, uh, now is just such an important time to ensure that the issues that they care about are front and center. Um, obviously, there's a lot of things that we're all dealing with right now in terms of what's happening out there, whether it's uh, access and philanthropy, advocacy, sustainability, climate, what have you. There's a lot of issues that people are really caring about. And so we want to be able to facilitate that in the most seamless way. And uh, not only that, it's also a lot of fun. So I look forward to seeing how everyone engages and participates and uses this tool to, to be able to connect and have their voice be heard. Yes, I've never seen No wages of That's what you told me, baby That day Of course, there are dozens of other sponsors that make this festival possible that we didn't hear from in this episode, including Cliff, Mountain Valley Water, Newport Storm, Shaxbury, 
and we hope this podcast helped to show our appreciation for these organizations. It can be easy to think of sponsors as just corporate businesses trying to gain access to eyeballs, but at Newport, we do our best to make sure they're enhancing the experience, not taking away from it. And we're incredibly grateful for organizations like Late July or TuneIn or Keen who understand Newport and have worked incredibly hard to make this a better festival. As always, we hope you enjoyed the episode. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. With a $10 lean, you were 20 steps in front of me. didn't it rain? didn't it thunder?